You want to know why you're all fucked up? What is nothing? Hey, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. bro i'm your host christina p thank you for downloading this episode i really appreciate that all right first let's get to some announcements before we get cooking for today very exciting episode for you but before that please please come see me do stand up i am ramping up i'm in the final legs here of of i'm getting ready to film my first hour and i'm so excited and I've been ready for this for a long time, and it's finally here. Come see the hour that I will be taping, and you will see. I don't know where yet, but you'll see it eventually. Uh, May 19th and 20th, I'm in New York City at the Gotham Comedy Club. June 1st through 3rd, Denver, Colorado at the Denver Comedy Works, the downtown location. June 16th and 17th, Man Friend Disco at the Punchline. And then I've added on June 22nd, a show at Flappers Comedy Club. I'm going to run it one last time before I tape on June 24th, and I'll have the details for where I'm taping, what city, what venue, if you would like to come, and how to get tickets. I'm very excited. It's uh, it's, oh, it's so great. Let's get into this. Let's get into this. I've been thinking about you a lot this week as I've been traveling to Phoenix. I met a lot of people who uh, listen to this show and your mom's house, and I'm very thankful for it. And I just, you know, I the more I connect with you in real life, the more I get to thinking about this show. It all kind of feeds in. Because, you know, I'm sitting in an empty room talking to myself, so when I get to meet the people I'm actually speaking to, <laughs> it's a whole different dynamic. Okay, let's get into it. I, for some reason, found inspiration in, um, in Rick Ross this week. I fucking love Rick Ross. I, that's my secret. I, I just, I've always liked him. <laughs> I just, I think he's really talented. And I know he's like, there's a scandal that he's Officer Ricky. I know the scandal, but let, I just, let's play it. I like it. A little over a year ago, I was in bondage. And now I'm back out here reaping the blessings and getting the benefits that go along with everything that's out here for kings like us. The reason why we like this, this jewelry and this diamonds and stuff, and they don't understand is because we're really from Africa. And that's where all this stuff comes from. And we originate from kings, you know what I'm saying? So don't look down on the youngsters because they want to have shiny things in our jeans. You know what I'm saying? We just don't all know our history. So peace to the Midwest. I'm just keeping you up on this good shit. I just landed in Europe, nigga. Shopping bags, I'm a tourist, nigga. Money talk, I speak fluent, nigga. Reeboks on, I just do it, nigga. Look at me, I'm pure, nigga. I bet the hoes on my tour, nigga. I don't bop, I do the money dance. My bitch will, cause a hundred grand. Red birch, you see me slide. Sex bitch, I hope she bout it. Sex bitch, I know she bout it. Fuck with me, you know I got it. Fuck with me, you know I got it. 
got it, you know I got it. Sex bitch, I hope she got it. My smoke thick, my jewels go. My shoes knew these hoes chose. My pistol work, my looks kill. Bitch text me, her rent here. Unfortunately, I'm a pimp, baby. Couldn't care less about your rent, lady. Yeah. I got a chopper, that's a bit But listen, I can boost, I'm in the bit faded. All right. All right. Welcome to That's Deep Bro. I'm your host, Christina P. If you're watching this on YouTube, you did not get to hear the opening song because it'll get flagged and torn down in two seconds. But I played Rick Ross, you know, I got it. And I fucking love Rick Ross. I've loved Rick Ross since I first heard him a few years ago. And uh, I got to meet him when I was a writer on Chelsea Lately. And he did the Rapper's Roundtable. And uh, he left his hat behind in the green room. And I was so excited. I was like, can I steal this? And they're like, well, we're going to call his people. And if he doesn't want the hat, you can have it. And sure enough, I got to keep it. And I have Rick Ross's hat in my house. I put it in my baby's room above his crib just to know what it's like to be a player you know what i'm saying i <laughs> don't silly i don't really do that but i do love rick ross and i you know i i was listening to that song in the airport the other day and uh i usually don't like rap music only because only because it tends to be overly materialistic overly misogynistic um you know glorifying violence and this and that but I got to thinking about it because this song, he's like, I just landed in Europe. And then I can't say the rest for obvious reasons. And he's like, I'm buying sneakers and bags and stuff. You know what? Big words. And I, I was like, why, why are they talking so much about buying stuff? Like, what's the deal with, uh, with pe- rappers buying stuff? Why is that so cool? And then I got to thinking about Marx, Karl Marx, what I read in college, that the economic dictates the social. What does that mean? Basically, whoever holds the money holds the power, in so many words. And also modes of production, who does what is controlled, that's economic stuff, and it's going to dictate the social. How you live is based on where, you're, where you are in the economic scale, right? Uh, rich white dudes own a lot of shit, so they have all the power. And I thought, well, what better way to subvert that whole power structure than for like, you know, a black dude to have a lot of money and buy a lot of stuff. And I think even Amy Schumer said something recently to the effect of like, uh, I want like millions of dollars and I want a jet and I want a private jet and a car and all this. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense because in the money is the power in society. Uh, In your personal life, Uh, Money can be great and it can also be your undoing. And that's not because money is inherently evil. I don't subscribe to that. I think that's really silly. Uh, I just think that people do use money to assuage certain emotional needs, right? Like, you know, how many... How many cars do you need, Jay Leno, to feel important, to feel like... I don't know. Did I just call out Jay Leno? 
so there you go. I took a trip to Fartnix, Arizona, and it was super fun. I got to meet so many of you guys, so many mommies, so many bros, very special. Uh, the desert is crazy. Just, ben- I mean, the desert makes you crazy. All the heat. I saw just a lot of lunatics. Maybe it's because I was downtown in downtown Phoenix where, um, where the lunatics run around. I saw a dude swinging his legs off of a bridge. I was like, what is going on? Anyway, um, but I'm back and pretty good week. And I got to thinking about the topic of self-care because it's interesting how there's a, there's a, there's a collective consciousness that we all share. And for some reason, you guys are all on the same page when you send in these emails. I tend to get similar emails at a similar time. It's this weird thing. And I, well, I'm going to read a few to you in a minute, but the, the underlying theme here tends to be self-care because I got a lot of emails about, hey, I'm dating this guy, this girl. Um, I feel guilty around them. I feel abused around them. Like maybe they're a little controlling. I don't know what to do. And then also I got a few emails about toxic parents. A lot of you really related to me reading that list of of ways you can tell you have a toxic parent. And that was a fairly recent episode. If you wanted to go look that one up, I think it's like maybe four or five back. It's in the summary of all of these uh, descriptions. If you go to the RSS feed, and that's always how you, if you want to find a topic, by the way, go to my RSS feed of this show, go to the search term and just type in the word. It usually will come up the episode. That's how I look up stuff on your mom's house anyway. Um, okay. So let's go to self-care. I'm going to bring up, there, there's an instance. Um, how do I put this delicately? So, okay. Here's, here's why I thought of self-care. I had an incident a while back where I went to a club, a comedy club. This is a long, a while ago. And you know, you check into the hotel and, uh, well, great. It's not so much a hotel. It's a, it's a motel, meaning uh, the door faces the parking lot and uh, there's nothing to eat within miles. There's no, there's not even a, a, an IHOP or a Chili's or a shitty Olive Garden to walk to. Um, and then you get to the club and the, the manager doesn't introduce themselves to you. Uh, the wait staff are all kind of weird and, um, and the showroom's a mess. There's uh, drunks everywhere, people vomiting all over themselves. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any bouncers lifting lunatics. Oh, oh did you hear that? That was Bitsy snoring. Um, and, you know, I don't feel safe going out and meeting people after shows if it's like that. And And there was a time in my career where, like, I would just get mad at all that stuff. And be like, what the fuck? They're not taking care of me, right? That's kind of like, they're not taking care of me. How dare they not look out for me? And um, what's interesting in that is like, that's kind of a childish way of thinking about the world. A childlike way, meaning, well, no, it's nobody else's responsibility uh, to take care of you. It's your responsibility. Yet, because of whatever wounds we may have from growing up, or whatever, we, maybe we weren't protected, maybe whatever, we don't feel a certain way about this and that. We tend to make it other people's responsibility to look after us, or we don't recognize the signs of stuff that's, that can potentially harm us physically, emotionally, 
whatever. I mean, look, when I look back to my early days of stand-up and the, um, <laughs> I mean, the crazy stuff I was doing just to feature, uh, you know, um, the dangerous places I was sleeping in, the horrible clubs I was working in. I mean, just like, there's a few that no longer exist. A few were, I'm fairly certain, um, fronts for drug operations. I remember I stayed, I was at a club. It's no longer around. Thank God in Florida. And they checked us into the condo, the owner and his girlfriend. And they proceeded to just come into the condo with me and and the, the headliner and just do cocaine in the living room because it was really his living room because he owned the condo and we were just the scumbag comedians, right? Like who cares what we want? Privacy, sleep, (laughs) a place to shit without uh, the owner looking at you. And I I remember like at that time feeling so victimized, like, oh my gosh, like they're just, what the heck, you know, what are they doing to us? And, and, and then the whole weekend being mad, like, how dare they do this to me? How dare they do? And how dare this club be so bad? And, and, you know, there's a million other things that happened. I remember um, the guy who opened, I was the feature act at the time. First of all, I had a fever of like 102 that week. I, I got sick and I decided to get on the plane and fly to Florida and do shows anyways, because I was so desperate to be a stand comedian. And all I heard was like the hustle, you got to go, you got to do it no matter what, by any means necessary, this and that. And I really, really was that. I was just so hyper-focused on success because failure is not an option. And it still, it still really isn't to me. And, you know, they say that the people who actually make it are the ones who don't have a backup plan. And I certainly had blown up my backup plan. <laughs> I'd blown up 22 of them in four years. So there, there was no, I had to do this and I, I had to do this. And, uh, so I remember I was sick with a fever performing, um, and, uh, and there was a guy ahead of me, the the MC or something, and he was did this act where he'd come up on stage with half a grapefruit cut open and then a hanger, and then he proceeded to pretend to fuck the grapefruit with a hanger, and then all the grapefruit juice would spill on the stage, and that was that was his big closer is the grapefruit fucking, and I remember I I followed that guy and there was like sticky grapefruit juice all over the stage and I'm, you know, barely getting through the set. I'm just barely hanging on to life. And, you know, the owner and his slut girlfriend are doing blow in my green room now because it's their world, right? They're there to party, not to work. Um, and, and afterwards I remember, uh, the headliner and I told him, Hey, look, you, you can't hang out with us. Oh, by the way, they would drive us home drunk. They're the person that would drive us to and from the venue would have a roadie in the car and was drinking alcohol and as they were driving us. And I, and I remember at the time, again, being mad at them. Like, how dare they act this way? How dare they? And so the headliner, I brought this up to the owner and he goes, what are you guys talking about? This is the best club and da da da. And, uh, and, and he goes, uh, and you don't have an act. <laughs> it says to both of us. And I go, what, like the grapefruit guy? He goes, oh, the, at least the grapefruit guy, that guy's got an act. That's a hook. You guys don't even have a hook in your act. You guys are fucking losers. <laughs> and it's funny because that guy also had a really crazy tick. Like he, he had like a twitch in his lip and he looked like a rabbit. Like he would twitch every few seconds when he would talk to you and he would insult us. And 
so that was one example of a very abusive work environment that I had willingly put myself into. Okay. So let's flash forward to, to the Christina of today. Had I shown up and the owner drops me off at a condo where, and then proceeds to come inside and do cocaine with his whore girlfriend, I'd be like, you know what, bro? I'm out. I'm fucking out of here. And I would just go to the airport and buy a thousand dollar ticket. Cause that's how much they are when you buy them day of. And I'd get the fuck out of there. And I would have come home and told my agent and fire my agent, by the way, um, and tell everybody to go fuck themselves. I'm never doing that room again. And what changed in between then and now, you ask? Well, funny you should ask, a little thing called, well, we know what that is, therapy. And number two, self-care. Big word, self-care. Now, that is a term my shrink taught me. Um, along with self-esteem, I've heard that one a lot and, uh, self-regulation I've learned about, (laughs) um, but self-care. Okay. What is that? And what does that mean? And is it taking a bubble bath and getting a manicure? Because that's exactly what all the magazines make it sound like, right? You read an article on self-care and it's like, take time out of the day for you. Especially if you're a mom, that's my favorite. When I read these articles that are like, being a mom is stressful. You know what you have to do? Take at least one hour a day just for you. Take a relaxing bubble bath, light some candles, and just masturbate furiously. Like It's so silly that, uh, that the, the answer to your life is a bubble bath because it's, it's simply stupid and short-sighted. So Okay, let's get deeper on it because, yeah, there is self-care in terms of um, the bubble bath. Absolutely. Is that something that's good for you to do? Yeah, I'm not shitting on the idea of a bubble bath, but I think that if it ends there, you're not getting your life. You're just getting the tip of your life and you're still fucked up. So take your bubble baths. But but also um, active self-care is really about making sure your safety is met, right? Let's, let's, in context of what I just talked about, the comedy club thing, making sure you're safe. Now, today, would I get into a car with some asshole drinking a fucking roadie? No. I tell them to go fuck themselves and I would drive an Uber. I mean, not drive an Uber, but I would call an Uber, which Uber didn't exist back then. Cab companies did. Could have called a cab company, had a cell phone, didn't. Um, And I would have cared for myself more than to get into a car with somebody who's drinking, Uh, nor would I do a comedy club where the owner's doing blow in the fucking green room with me. That's not happening. I'm a professional. Sorry. I go to work and then I come home. Like I don't, it's not my place to party. For some people to party, for me it's not a party. Uh, Okay. So there's the the cosmetic stuff of self-care. Absolutely. Look, I knew a, a female comic. This is so unfortunate that she was raised in a, a house where her mother didn't even teach her how to wash her own hair or groom her hair or um, wear clean clothes every day. Like she grew up in a pretty abusive environment. So there is basic stuff like that. Like do you make, you know, as a lady, especially as a lady, there's a lot of pressure on us to do a lot of things, but let's talk about baseline self-care. Okay. It's the shower, the daily shower. It's the brushing of the hair excuse me, it's the, you know, proper deodorizing to be societally accepted. Is that how I say that? To be accepted by society. Uh, there's, uh, you know, making sure your nails are clean. I, I prefer short just cause I type a lot and I don't like dirt under them. Um, 
Grooming. Yeah, absolutely. Get your hair did. Get your brows fleeked. Get your life that way. Um, and then there's other things. I get I get a lot of emails from people saying like, hey, I'd love to get my life. I'd love to get my life, but there's no time. I just don't have the time to get my I don't have the time to go to therapy. I don't have the time. I'm, a, I'm busy. I go to school. I come home. I have to do this and that and the other. I work a full-time job and da, 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 I don't have the time. Well, let me tell you. What I've learned from somebody who, quote, didn't have the time for therapy for many years, what I learned is that you make the time for things you give a shit about. You prioritize for things that are a priority and that matter to you. So um, you may work a lot, but you can also do phoner sessions with shrinks so you don't have to go there. Uh, There's the talk space thing that we talk about at the beginning of the show. Uh, and there's just a way to structure your life so that life isn't getting you so that you're getting your life. You know what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? You feel me what I'm talking about? Uh, because life will just get you. A lot of people, I've seen it happen. I see it happen uh, with other comics, with, with people who are non-comedians, that uh, life life just takes them over. You know what's so funny? I was thinking the other day, like, you know how you, like, I watch TV shows and the, the characters are always like, you know... I thought my life would end up one way and then it ended up another. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, but the, why? Because the common denominator was you. Like you made decisions that took you this way or that way or this way or that way. And if you have a clear vision of what you will and won't tolerate and what you want, there shouldn't be like, a, well, my life just took over and now I got five kids and I live in a trailer park and... Uh, I never moved out of Peoria or whatever. Like, well, all that shit was controllable by you. Like, you elect to have multiple children with a scumbag who doesn't work or whatever the scenario. I'm just using that as a don't email me if you have five kids in a trailer park in Peoria (laughs) because I'm just, that's a random thing, okay? Um, There are people who go, you know, I didn't see myself being a lawyer for 20 years and now I'm 40 and I fucking hate my life and da-da-da-da. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, that's why... I think my mission on this podcast is to keep you fucking conscious, to keep you woke, as the kids say, right? Isn't that what that is? To keep you, you know, to, to, to live a meaningful existence. And what does that mean? That means to stay alert and aware and conscious of your decisions, because that's really all you have control over, right? There's no control over circumstance, but there's control over how you deal with circumstance, correct? I may not have known that every club I'd showed up at, that I showed up at in the past, was a shitty abusive place. But what I could have done was assume responsibility and go, Oh, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm not doing this room. Okay. So, okay. There's that there's self-compassion. What is that? Um, you ever, have you ever listened to how you talk to yourself in your own head? Like I started doing this many years ago where I just listened to how I talk to myself when things are going bad. And I've listened to the things I've said to myself and I wouldn't even talk that way to my dog. Like I, oh, I, ta- I love my animals. I love my son. I love my husband. I don't, I don't say bad shit to them. I don't say nearly the horrific stuff that I say to myself. Not so much anymore, but, um, cause now I catch it. Cause now I'm like, whoa, whoa, who said that? Who's in there? <laughs> You're a terrible driver. Who said that? I haven't had an accident in 20 years. I'm not a terrible driver. 
um, you know, you, you get these thoughts that are, they don't belong to you. They're, they're just pop up thoughts from the ego, from the mind, the chatter and, um, to recognize them and to be like, that's not me. Uh, and also to have compassion for your mistakes, you know, and for trying and to keep going and, um, and to take care of yourself when you need it. Um, rest is huge. Resting. It's so funny. Cause like, uh, we have a nanny who we set her hours. She doesn't set her own. And yet Tom and I are like, Oh, why can't we sleep in? Well, you can, like you can just schedule her to come in earlier. And we had this epiphany and now we do that. Like she comes in earlier so we can sleep a couple of hours extra and it changed our lives. And I don't know why we didn't think of it. You just get stuck doing things a certain way and you know, you forget like you're in charge of your life. You structure your life, right? That's what I was just saying. Like either you get your life or your life gets you. Very simple thing, little things that you just keep doing because you don't, you're not cognizant of it being miserable like we just talked about this on your mom's house, this last, this episode that's going to drop on Wednesday, um, is that Tom didn't have a clock next to his bed for the last year and a half. And he kept asking me what the time was all the time. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, stop asking me. And then last night I saw him at four in the morning or the night before come around and look at my clock and go back to sleep. And I felt so bad for him that I bought him a clock on Amazon and I'm like, why did we wait so long to get you an alarm clock on your own side of the bed? Excuse me. It's ridiculous that we waited a year and a half. Like it didn't even make sense. So yeah, rest is important. And also spoiling yourself. Like you, you're worth um, ordering good things off the menu. Like there's, that's ex- an example from that Wayne Dyer book, Your Erroneous Zones, that I talk about so much. He talks about going to a restaurant and just ordering the cheapest thing on the menu because that's that's what you're used to doing and, you know, why not? And you might think to yourself, but Christina, I don't have a lot of money. I know, and I, I get it, but you're eating out. What's the five more dollars on the entree? Like, just do it. Just do it. And then know that the next few days you're going to pull it in. You're going to rain it back, right? Um, yeah, like, you know what I did recently? I fucking love flowers. Like, I love flowers. And I was thinking to myself, wouldn't it be great to just have flowers in my house? And so I ordered myself some flowers. <laughs> Why not? Uh, or just cut some. I have them. I have rose bushes everywhere around my house. And now I go through them with Ellis and we cut flowers and I bring them in because, you know, normally I don't, I don't like to kill flowers, but they're going to rot out there because of the heat. So I'd rather bring them in the house and enjoy them for a bit longer than let them die outside. Um, yeah. Why not be nice to yourself? what's the harm? Why not treat yourself really well? And I, I hate to sound morbid, but truly, truly know that you will die. It's not an optional thing. I always do that. I mean, I, I've recently just, I've had two of my four parents die in in the last two years. So uh, I said, step, my stepdad and my mother. So I am four parents, meaning they both remarried. So four people total have raised me. And, uh, you know, when people die around you, you start to go like, oh, oh, there's not, there's not like infinite time here. And why am I hating every day? Why am I not doing the stuff that I want to be doing? Why aren't I laughing more? Why aren't I picking flowers? Why aren't I baking cookies more? Um, you know, why, why aren't I enjoying the shows I want to enjoy? Cause there's just not, there's not infinite time on this planet. You may as well 
spoil yourself if no one's there to do it for you. And that's the thing. There may be somebody there to do it for you. Tom buys me stuff all the time. But it was the principle of buying myself the flowers. Like, why can't I? And I know a lot of women are like, I was watching my crazy ex-girlfriend. I don't really watch comedies, but it was so funny. It's such a good show. Check it out if you want an easy, good laugh. Um, But she has this song. She sings these crazy songs. And it's like, I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this for myself. I'm wearing makeup and getting manicures and waxing myself because I'm doing it for myself, not for a guy. Like, it's that whole thing of like, yeah, right. Like, you're wearing makeup and heels for yourself. (laughs) Like, no, you're not, dude. You're doing it to fucking get a dude to notice you. Uh, so like not that kind of stuff, like Jeff yourself, girlfriend, like not, not like that, like do the stuff that you want to really, really do for yourself. Not the horse shit, you know, patriarchal, uh, do it for yourself, girl, <laughs> do it for yourself, get your beaver waxed, but do it for you. Go ahead and wax your butthole because you want to, not for the guys, <laughs> Make out with other girls at the bar because you want to. It's not for the guys. No, no. You love that stuff. (laughs) I mean, high heels, that's another fucking bullshit thing. I don't know how the men sold us on high heels. That is, I I own a a few pairs. I never wear them. I mean, maybe once a year, if Tom and I are going to dinner, I'll wear them. And then by the end of the night, they're in my purse and I've got the flats out that I've brought with me because I can't fucking do it. I mean, if there wasn't a tool for uh, a greater tool for patriarchal oppression, it is the goddamn high heel. I mean, they fucking sold us on that hook, line and sinker that and uh, uh, what is that shit called? The pole dancing classes, (laughs) stripper pole dancing. Yeah. So empowering. Oh, what an empowering thing for us to learn to dance like strippers that is that is really fighting the man the patriarchal power it's so funny not that i disapprove of strippers i actually uh i actually am buddies with a couple that i know from comedy clubs i I love them they're fine it's great but i don't try to sell it to me like it's fucking you know female empowerment it's ridiculous it's 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 absolute horseshit uh so there you go okay what else self-care learn to listen to yourself. What I was saying before, listen to how you're fucking talking to yourself, dude. And I say that like all this advice, by the way, that I, that I'm telling you guys don't think it's, I don't know any better. This is just what I've done. This is just my life. I don't, I'm not qualified. I, I'm not a PhD. I have no fucking qualifications to tell you how to get your life. All I know is what the neuroses I have, and I'm just passing on you what's worked for me and how my brain works. So just a disclaimer, um, exercise. Absolutely. I hate it. I fucking hate it. I think it sucks. I don't enjoy it. I wish I were one of these people who just loves exercising. I don't love it. But I force myself to do it twice a week because I pay somebody who forces me to do it twice a week because I'm 40 and I got a kid and I don't want to die soon, sooner than I have to. Okay. Uh, Get your needs met, right? What does that mean? That means you have a need, you have your Maslow's whatever needs Matt, you've got your basic shit, food, shelter, comfort, place to sleep, uh, which would be shelter, I'm guessing. You also have your higher needs, right? The need for a partner, the need for love, the need for sex, the need for whatever, fun. Fun is a huge one. I don't, I don't have nearly enough, as much fun as I, as I should. God, my English is really terrible on this episode. But to make space for all of these things is like fundamental. Okay. 
because without it, your life is getting you and not the other way around. I'd like to read now on, on the tales of that. I'd like to read this email because it, it really bothers me. Uh, it made me upset and I wanted to, it made me upset not for me, for this girl, because I can fucking, you know, when someone tells you some shit and you're like, oh dude, you, you gotta, mm, okay. Mommy dearest, my boyfriend and I have been together for four and a half years. There have been many ups and downs and on and offs. There seems to be a recurring issue that really enrages me and I feel extremely confused about what to do. He got a job working in, I'm not going to say where, in September and I have stayed here in blah, blah, blah. I went to visit him in this other location for Christmas and it's May now. So we decided we were due for another visit. We were planning a trip together, which involved him and I meeting in a third city. Then we would drive to visit his mom. We talked about dates. I sent my time off request to my boss. Before my time off was confirmed, he went ahead and booked my ticket. He not only booked it without checking in with me, but also picked a day that we didn't even discuss. Enter rage. I'm so mad that I can't imagine going to see him anymore. I told him how I feel and he just says that he didn't think it would be a big deal that there was a cheap flight on such and such day and his brother is also trying to meet up with us. So there was certain pressures on his end. Does this seem a little controlling or is it just me? Okay, number one. Uh, and, and, and in the vein of self-care, if, if something feels fucked up to you, if it feels controlling, if it feels hanky, if it feels rotten, chances are you're not imagining it. That yes, indeed, this shit is rotten. Okay. Uh, and along with the lines of self-care, remember me talking about showing up to a club where stuff ain't right? And instead of being like, I'm out, dude, you suffer, I suffered through it. Yeah, yeah, I'll just put up with it. No, no, no. So this guy I've been with for four years, you guys want to take a trip. So here's a dilemma. I want to take a trip, but I need time off from my job. I got to confirm time off before you buy the tickets. Your boyfriend goes... Fuck you, I'm not going to wait for you to confirm these tickets because I got to meet my brother and my needs are more important than yours. So I'm going to go ahead and book this cheap ass flight that I found for you and I don't care. You you figure it out. So he didn't respect your needs. He didn't respect your time. He didn't respect your job. And uh, yeah, the guy's controlling. You're right. And something tells me that this is not the first time that he's done something because you said there have been many ups and downs and on and offs and there seemed to be a recurring issue. This is a reoccurring issue. Yeah, dude. I mean, look, it sounds really controlling and uh, controlling often leads to like abusive shit from what I understand. That's usually the first sign, whatever. Girl, I uh, listen, I, I, if my husband did this, what your dude did, uh, I, first of all, he wouldn't. It's just craziness. Like, why would you arrange a trip without confirming dates? And it's very inconsiderate. Um, I don't like it. I think it's weird, and I think I think the point of this is I can't even tell you what to do because I don't have enough information. I don't know your backstory, but something tells me that this is not good. And again, back to this thing of of caring for yourself, dude. It's obvious shit's not going right. So trust your instinct. That's another part of this whole thing. Is when we doubt our feelings. Am I do? Is this? Mm, I don't know. Is this controlling? Is this need to be confirmed? The need to always confirm your feelings with like to validate it with outside forces. Am I am I crazy here or is this does this feel shitty? Well no, you don't need to confirm that. It feels shitty. 
for a reason because it is shitty. That's the crazy part (laughs) is that when something feels shitty, just listen to me, when something feels shitty, that's because it is shitty. Isn't that a mind blower? And then you're totally justified to react however you feel is right for you. That's terrible. Anyway, I just want you to honor, because I can't even tell you what to do. I don't know what the fuck to do, but I'm, I'm just telling you that don't ignore your feelings. This is for, for everybody listening that uh, you got to not ignore these, these intuitions that, you know, and again, how do you get there? How do you get to discovering your intuition? You know, Oprah always talks about this inner voice stuff and listening to your inner voice and stuff. And it's really, it's not that fucking wooey, you know, crazy out there idea. It's really not. If you think about it, like, yeah, meditation helps you get there. Am I going to convince any of you to meditate? No, either you're down or you're not. So I'm not going to fucking throw that on you, push that on you. But what I would invite and what I, I would invite you to do is just to listen to your head. If you can, if you can allow yourself to listen to your thoughts, the unconscious ones I'm saying, not the I'm hungry, I got to take a shit thoughts. The stuff that's destructive, if you can be conscious of them, because what I'm hearing is uh, this guy just did some shit that I'm not cool with, but I'm going to, am I okay in, in hating that? Am I okay in not walking away from it? So listen to yourself, dude. Yeah, you fucking hate it. It's not good. Okay. This one comes from Oksana. Oksana. On the last episode of your mom's house, you said how women are, uh, how women are nice to guys. They, uh, when women, okay. She's talking about this last episode of your mom's house where, um, we're talking about me being uh, unfriendlier than Tom to strangers. And a lot of that is because uh, women, if you're nice to strangers, right? They're like, hey, I'm Christina. And they think you're flirting with them. This is true. Men will, for some reason, if you're a nice human being to them, will assume that it's a sexual advance. And so I've learned over the years to tone it down. I'm not super nice to dudes in public because they, for some reason, translate that into sexual uh, energy. I don't know. Maybe they're just, they're always looking for it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Okay. So this girl says, I wish you had mentioned that earlier because literally two days before that episode, I made the mistake of being nice to a bunch of guys. And now one of them is convinced I like him. I had known this guy for all of six hours before he professed his undying love for me. (laughs) He's a nice guy, but I'm just not attracted to him. He doesn't seem to have his life right now, and I don't want to hurt him. What do I do? Okay. Well, first of all, (laughs) I'm going to put you guys on blast a little bit. I'm going to put you boys on blast. Uh, Because the dudes who profess their undying love for you six hours into your relationship... Guess what? It's not real. <laughs> Those guys are just trying to get in your pants. What? Are you serious? Yes, boo-boos. There are guys out there who employ this wonderful trick, and I've seen it, and it works a lot. It's a numbers game with dudes. It's the guy who pretends he's in a boy band, and he'll come up to you and be like, girl, you're in my heart for real though. And he's got like the game of like, I can't get you out of my mind, girl. You're all I think about. Look at you. Look at you. You're perfect, girl. I love you. (laughs) That guy's bullshit. And all they're doing is throwing out the 90s, you know, whatever, the boy band persona 
hoping that one of you girls is so empty inside that you will take the bait and he will get laid and then he will promptly get the fuck out of there. So it's really a get laid tactic. And I know sometimes it seems very real and maybe for him for that moment, it is very real, but those dudes run from fucking run. Those guys are called bullshit artists. So don't worry so much about his feelings. Uh, I'm pretty sure there are other girls that he has fallen madly in love with within six hours as well. Um, now, on the other hand, I've known dudes who are legit fucking stalker types who aren't just the you're in my heart for real girl types. Those dudes, you do need to tread a little lightly. And I wanted to answer, I just got this email in. No, oh, I did five days ago. Sorry. But I wanted to address this because you could be dealing with a potential stalker type. I've had those two in high school. And how do you deal with those? Well, the less contact, the better. Uh, I suggest not allowing him to draw out the goodbye. You know, a simple, I would even, in this case, a fucking text. Sorry, dude, I'm seeing somebody else. I'm not interested. I, I would suggest saying you're not interested, point blank. And don't let him convince you otherwise. Do not meet with him so that he can convince you. Do not read his letters, his emails, whatever fucking nonsense. Block his number. I hope he doesn't know where you live. Um, really, and, and block him from social media. Do not let this man have access to you. If this is that type of guy, like I said, if it's a, you're in my heart for real girl guy, he don't give a fuck. He's going to move on and do this shit to somebody else in a few hours. But if it's a stalker kind, which I have had, Cut him the fuck out and let make sure that asshole knows that there's a man in your life who's going to fucking get him, who's going to break his legs if he fucks with you or comes around your house. Because I've had a few of those too. And I got to tell you, having a mean Hungarian dad really came in handy at those times. So this guy needs to know that you have backup. You got brothers, you got a daddy, you got big ass, uh, you know, fucking water polo playing guy friends who will break his legs if he fucks with you. There you go. Okay. But you also have another question here. You're 23 years old. Um, and you're, I also have a question about how to get attention from guys. I actually like at 23, I recently ended a six and a half year relationship and never even kissed or had a date with anyone except my ex, which means I'm completely ignorant about how to navigate the early twenties dating world. I want to go on some casual dates and have fun. I think I'm rather attractive, yet I almost never get approached. Maybe when I'm alone in public places, I'm always on my computer slash phone, so I look busy. But then again, I would feel weird just sitting at a cafe doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? This is like a walking, this is like walking on a minefield. Be nice to the wrong person, get a stalker. Play it too cool around a cute guy and be ignored. Please impart some wisdom of life on me. Oksana. I know exactly what you're talking about. I was once 23 and I had the same dilemma. Now, here's what they don't tell you. At your age, girl, and if you are an indeed a cute girl with a name like Oksana, I'm judging you're a Russian beauty, an Eastern Bloc queen like myself. Um, you say you're good looking, that's an advantage. Because guess what? 23-year-old guys, that's pretty much what they care about. <laughs> uh well, actually all of them, you know, in the beginning, in the beginning, let me be fair. And then once they get to know you, then the, the internal stuff matters, but you know, Hey, and women are the same. I'm not going to say we don't judge physically too. We're physically attracted and then we go deeper. But so you have the cards here, Oksana. And if no one's approaching you, 
you know, hey, guys your age are not confident. And the ones that are tend to be the girl, I love you after six hours, you're in my heart. Like that's the problem at your age. So if I were you, I would stick to fuck the apps. Do not, do not get on Tinder, girl. Respect your life. Respect your vagine. Get fuck off with these apps. I I don't think, honestly, I I don't know how you girls do it. I think it's really dangerous, number one, to just show up um, or let some man show up at your house that you don't know just to have sex with you. It's so dangerous. I mean, I can't even begin. I I don't even like it. Um, You're worth more than a fuck fuck app. Secondly, uh, okay, so fuck the apps. Don't do that. Number two, do you go to school? You're 23 years old. You're young. You should be in school if you're not... You're, you're around uh, young people, I'm assuming. Do you go to parties? Do you have friends who have parties? Do you go to uh, classes that you can see other boy, see boys your age? Do you go to a gym? Do you do activities? Um, and here's, here's a big secret at your age is that while you don't have to be the aggressor, and I don't believe women should chase men, I think that's completely wrong, you can be the facilitator the initiator of contact. And that's totally fine. What I mean by that is you have to give dudes that age, that age group, you have to give them signals that you're interested because they're so young and dopey. They don't know yet about being hunters. They're, they're learning to be hunters. So you kind of have to give them indicators that you are into them. Indications, right? Little things, smiling at them, maybe at a party, you're going to Maybe there's a group of people and you go over and you talk to that group of people and he's in the group and you kind of have to break the ice a little. If you if you are, you know, cute girl, they all want to talk to cute girls. Um, and what I found, that's kind of the best way to meet dudes. I've, I've always had pretty great relationships with the boyfriends and, and stuff. And I think a lot of that is because we started as friends. I don't, I never dated strangers. I think I had stranger dates like, twice and they're disastrous. Um, I think it's really important to meet people in your circle, uh, parties. You know what? I like, I swear if I were single, I would like, if you have a dog, like I'm a huge Brussels Griffon enthusiast. That's my jam right there. And the other day I was at Neiman Marcus and I ran into this old gay guy who had a Brussels and I started talking Brussels with him. Like I was fucking really nerded out with this, this old queen about this ridiculous breed of dog. And, and I thought to myself like, Oh, this would be cool. If I were like a single person, I would go to all the Brussels Griffon meetups. I would meet other Brussels enthusiasts. I would, you know, I would go to all the events that other dorks like me go to. And that's how you meet people. Okay. It's, it's that, and you do have to kind of, what's wrong with saying hi to somebody? Hey, um, you know, make a joke. I think that joking is a great way to open up something. Something absurd happens and you just point it out like, holy shit, did you see that? Look at that. There's a fucking homeless guy taking a dump, whatever it is that's happening. And you point that out to somebody that's fun. And that's like a light way of doing things. It's just making a joke. And that's always, for me, that's always worked. I'm trying to think how I met Tom. Tom and I were introduced through another comedian and, uh, yeah. And a third person introduced us and that's just how that worked. That was pretty organic. And we started talking and then we got to know each other as friends for a few years and then we did later on. So there you go. Uh, you kind of can be the initiator because boys that age, they're just not, 
confident enough yet. And if you kind of show them like, hey, I'm approachable, I'm fun, I'm a nice girl. But be prepared too. in line with the self-care stuff. Not everybody's a gem. And that's when you have a right to say, fuck off, as you do with your six-hour stalker. You have every right. And don't feel bad for telling somebody you're not into them. You're doing them a favor. You're fucking not wasting their time. That's a big one. People are always like, I feel bad for breaking out. No, no, no. You're doing that person a huge service. You're cutting them loose. (laughs) There's nothing better than uh, breaking up with someone early, dude. Stop wasting people's time for years and years. God damn. And by the way, it's usually the woman who has to do the breaking up. Most of the time, guys just let it whittle down, wind wind down to um, you know a nightmare of a relationship, and then it's the woman's job to fucking cut it. So don't feel bad. He's going to bounce back. He'll find someone else to obsess over. He ain't that special, trust me. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm just saying, in his mind, he'll find someone else to obsess over. Oof, God, they're the worst. Okay. A while back, I did the toxic parent checklist. Maybe I can find it. I think actually I can have a toxic parent. Um, yeah, nine signs. You have a toxic parent. I'm just going to read them quickly to recap. Number one, they need you to take care of them. Their feelings always come before yours. They have problems and ask you to conceal them. They control you using guilt or money. They refuse to let you grow up. They don't recognize your boundaries. They constantly undermine you. They're insanely passive aggressive. You're still scared of them. And that's it. Okay, so those are the nine signs you have a toxic parent. Now, I also, because so many of you wrote in saying like, oh my God, I heard that list and I'm afraid I have a toxic parent. Now what? Oh, shit. Oh dear. Okay. And we're back. Sorry. I just disconnected something. So I have a toxic parent, Christina. Now what? Okay, great. As you know, I have great experience with this. This is probably my lifelong, uh, this this is my thesis, if you will. (laughs) Toxic parent. Um, As you know, my mother and I, very strained, problematic relationship for many, many years. I would definitely consider her a toxic parent. So you look, uh, I've done a hundred or so episodes on this. But here we go. I'm going to read you from uh, this article on bustle.com. Number one, what do you think? Get therapy. That is the number one thing to do if you have a toxic parent. Um, here's the thing too. If you need to know, Google. Go to Google. If you don't know how to find a therapist, Google your zip code, write the word therapist and sliding scale. That is the phrase you use if you cannot pay a lot of money for a shrink. Sliding scale. Some therapists will work with people um, for a price that you negotiate. Did you know that? Yes. Um, I paid very little the first few years of my therapy. And I love my therapist so much. And I'm so blessed that I can pay her her full rate now. But in the beginning, very cheap. You can do anything. Okay? So go see a fucking shrink. Number two, discover your boundaries. Ooh, that's a good one. Boundaries are not typically things that toxic parents have a lot of time for, at least in other people. So you may not have fully developed or understood your own no-go zones, your space, your limits. 
What treatments are you willing to put up with and what makes you draw the line in in the sand? Are you okay with a bit of good-natured ribbing, but will pull out the second a hit of passive aggressiveness hits your interactions? Are questions about your relationships or health off limits? Okay, so in other words, um, do you like the jokes? Are they being mean? Uh, what are your boundaries? What makes you feel like shit? And again, like, dude, the feelings are really an indicator of where you're at. Like, if you feel shitty around somebody consistently, there's probably a reason. They're probably doing stuff and saying stuff to you that sucks. So listen to that. Okay, number three, find space for your own emotions. Toxic families rather like Tolstoy's unhappy ones. I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about. Are all toxic in different ways, but chances are pretty good that you weren't given much of a chance to express your feelings about what was happening to you growing up and not in a helpful way. It can be hard to carve out space as an adult to feel the stuff when it's been stuffed under a dysfunctional rug for so long. A therapist will help you get it out rather than conforming to your old patterns. So what does that mean? Find your own space for your, find space for your own emotions means um, if you have a toxic parent, um, here's how it works. Okay. So you're a toddler, you're a little baby and you are throwing tantrums because the world is really confusing to you and you don't have language capability yet and uh, your emotions are overwhelming because it's the first time you felt them. And you might have a parent who's like, God, stop it. Shut up. Suck it up. Stop that. What are you doing? You're annoying me. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's, that's what we're talking about. And that kind of persists. <laughs> we don't talk about feelings. Feelings aren't honored. Your emotions are um, belittled or negated, or you're gaslighted, stuff like that. So the task as a grown-up is to find a way to actually express those feelings. And eating those feelings or drugging those feelings is what get us into trouble, right? That's how you develop uh, wonderful drug addictions, food addictions, love addictions, is not feeling feelings. That's why you need to go to a therapist to feel the feelings, and then your life will be gotten. Trust me. Okay. Number four, find good, loving support. Do not do this on your own. Dealing with toxic parents in any capacity, um, even if it's maintaining an everyday routine with them while quietly dissecting the patterns of your relationship is draining. It's emotional labor. You're going to need people in your corner. Often other family members will not want to get involved. So look for people outside your family circle from close friends to partners. There's no shame in telling them you're going through some parent stuff. If they think you're just having an adolescent rage, if you're just having an adolescent rage 10 years too late, drop them or at least give them a talking to. So find people who are, who are good with listening, right? Who are on your team. On the other hand, I will add a caveat here. Do not overburden spouses with your family shit. I, for years, really, really uh, didn't want to... I shielded Tom from a lot of stuff, uh, mom's drama, just because I didn't want to bring it into my positive house. It's not his burden. It was mine. And uh, I really didn't share a ton until she died. And uh, the extent of her was revealed and uh, I think his mind was blown <laughs> but uh, I don't know some people some people won't understand and that's okay it's not their it's not their uh, job number five read about it okay that's always why I refer to books I I absolutely I believe in reading books because 
For thousands of years, humans have existed and written things down for the benefit of other humans to learn those things. That's why reading is so important. And I, I, that's kind of why I prove I love education. I don't know why people poo-poo college. Is it always practical to go to college? No. But then again, life isn't always about being practical. Why must everything have a practical application? There are things that you can just read in college that are fucking interesting or literature, poetry, philosophy, do art, things that just make you a better person. Life is not always about practical shit. But okay, in some cases it is. And so here are some um, books recommended by this website. Susan Forward wrote a book called Toxic Parents, available in PDF online, which is good. Um, There's a book called Will I Ever Be Good Enough? Healing the Child Within. Difficult Mothers is another book. I've never read these, so I cannot vouch for them. Um, But I always suggest just kind of Googling stuff you're interested in and then finding the book titles that come up. That's what I do. Get back up on family occasions. I 100% agree. Um, If you don't like being alone with your toxic parent, don't. Don't do it. Uh, For the last few years of the, the time I was in contact with my mother, I refused to have interactions with her alone simply because she's very abusive. She would say horrible things and I didn't want to stand for it. And so I would bring other people to like our lunches and eventually she caught on and then she would get really mad at me <laughs> and be like, I want to see you alone. You don't just bring yourself. Don't bring your stupid friends. She started to realize that my stupid friends were prohibiting her from being abusive to me. Because generally, when there's a third person there, a third party, they can't dump on you. Because when you're alone, then you're a perfect victim for um, their assault, their bullshit. So don't make yourself a perfect victim. What we're talking about, the self-care stuff, isn't that part of respecting yourself and your boundaries is to go, uh, nur, thank you. I will not fucking take this shit from you. Okay. Figure out what you want from the relationship. That's really important here. Okay. Because I feel like there are things within reason you can expect from toxic parents. Okay. You're not figure out what you want means figure out what's feasible, figure out what's possible from that parent. Okay. Like with my mother, I knew that we were never going to have heartfelt conversations on her bed at night while she braided my hair and told me how great I was. That was never going to happen. Um, and there was a time where we could have a civilized meal together and a few good laughs and then go home. And those were really good times, actually. Like there, there was a pretty decent window of time in our relationship, I'd say in my 20s, where my mom and I could go and go to Michael's Arts and Crafts. And yeah, she'd say some shitty things, but it really was like, ah, this is pretty dealable. We'd go get falafel. And it was a pleasant enough day and that was fine. And I didn't expect more. So nothing really bummed me out. So some people have parents who are only capable of, of, um, maybe it's talking about football. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, maybe your dad's not going to be the most empathetic, touchy feely type, but maybe you guys can make small talk about the baseball game or about hockey or whatever it is that you guys have, look at the thing you have in common and just kind of take it at that. So the expectations need to be managed, right? It's about what you can reasonably expect from a very limited person, which 
frankly, is you know, it's not a lot. <laughs> I'm going to tell you from experience, it's just not, and it just isn't. So I think the best solution is to make sure that you're you're filled up, right? You're filled up with your therapy, with your friends, with your loved ones, with your cat, your dog, your whatever, spouse. And you don't look to them for that stuff because you ain't going to get it. You ain't going to get it. And that was the last one. Figure out what you want. If you can figure it out, then you can kind of, you won't be as disappointed when you don't get it too. Because you've, um, you already know, you know, look, that person's not going to, you know, it's so funny. I had this fantasy growing up that my mother would um, become this this mom who would bake cookies for the class. You know, like I, I remember being like, I just would ask her, like, can you just fucking bake? How about I just like bake some, bake a cake? And I, you know, I can't, I can't, don't know how to bake. I'm fucking terrible at baking. Your grandmother knows how to bake. I don't know how to bake. And I would just be like, well, just, can you just try? Can you just try to be normal? Like, just, can you be a little fuzzy, warm, maternal mommy that I want? <laughs> like, to me, that's the epitome of like warm maternal mommy is like, oh, let's bake some cupcakes. Let's frost cupcakes together. Like that was the big fantasy for me. And it never fucking happened. Like never, we never frosted cupcakes or giggled over uh, decorating a cake or something like that, you know? But I, and then eventually I just knew like, oh, that's, that's who she is. That's not, that's not where her strengths were. Now, on the other hand, if I was going to get ready for a spelling bee, you best believe my mom was the motherfucker to drill me and get that shit down. Like she would spend hours with me spelling words, practicing, getting me up to, up to speed. And I did really well at spelling bees and speech meets. That was another thing where you recited poems in front of um, the school and she made me a great performer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have her to thank for making me into a performer, actually. Hmm. Putting me into acting school from the time I was four you know, she read to me constantly when I was a small child. So her strengths weren't necessarily in baking, not the mommy I wanted, but the other shit, she pretty, she did a pretty fucking decent job at. She did a great job. So it's really about, you know, what you want, you don't get, but sometimes, right? Like the stones, you get what you need. There you go. Um, okay. So that's it. That's my, uh, we did self care, toxic parenting. Email me if you have any, uh, questions you want help with. That's deep bro podcast at gmail.com. Go to my website. That's deep bro podcast.com. Uh, come see me do a live show and that's it. That's all I got for you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. And, um, let's do this again very soon. All right, let's open this shit up. God. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with. Philosophize with. It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? What's that? That's deep, bro. Bro, bro, bro.
is the ultimate metaphor for life. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.